Oh, yes, indeed, there are more questions and answers. Like, how comes nobody ever says it's only a game when their team is actually winning? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere on the planet. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and an ice cup of tea, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly, from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting, for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and nethervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has spent all week wondering if crows have ravenous appetites. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. I'm cold. You're cold. It is cold in Minnesota. I have noticed that, strangely enough. (laughs) Minus 35 will do that to a man. Oh, I thought you were saying my points. Where did you notice that at? Well, well, all of my body, to be honest, but there are specific areas. Well, the way you you said that, I thought you meant there was specific areas. Yes, when I go downtown, when I'm on the highway, when I'm walking to the house. Are we talking geographically on my body here? As a man, there are certain parts of my body that feel the cold more than others. My ears, for example, are very cold at the moment. We also have with us the analytical, obviously, and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim wondered this week what hair colour bald men put on their driver's licences. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. If only Nathan was here, he could have answered that question. Controversial. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case 
after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Greg refused to get any sleep this week, so was guilty of refusing a rest. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. Three, of course, is a fabulous number. If we look at the number three, three is the number of dimensions. This is uh, episode three, of course. Three is the number of dimensions that humans can perceive, unless, of course, we're in the twilight zone. I'm almost expecting some music to come in there. In alchemy, there are three primes that are salt, sulfur and mercury, which, of course, are the first three ingredients of chicken McNuggets. In Vietnam, there is a superstition (laughs) that considers it bad luck to take a photo with three people in it. Did you know that? I did not. Do you know what the superstition is if there's three people in a photograph in Vietnam? No. The person in the middle is going to die before the two people on the outside. So it's like a death sandwich. It is, and we all know what happened to Farrah Fawcett, of course. (laughs) And a triathlon, you have to think about that a little bit. A triathlon consists of three events, swimming, cycling, and running. And to get some early points on the board, I'm going to open this up. What would you call it if you only do two of those events? Quitting. (laughs) Isn't that Harry Potter? I'm trying to get you some points early on. You're on minus two. That's Harry Potter, isn't it? Well, not Quidditch. I said quitting. Oh, quitting. <laughs> I thought you said Quidditch. I'm sorry. What? you still got minus two. It makes no odds. Does anyone want to have a guess? If it's a triathlon for three events, what is it for two events? Biathlon, but Greg's, that'll be wrong. Greg's on minus two as well. It's a duathlon for two events. A biathlon, of course, I believe, and I'm happy to be corrected, is skiing and shooting. So it's a duathlon, I've been told. My friend Steve, I'll give him a shout, back in uh, Romford. He's a postal worker back there. He does triathlons. And he informs me that two events is a duathlon and not a biathlon, of course. Now, last week, it's amazing we haven't started the show yet and both Greg and Heather are minus two. That means me and Kim are in the lead. (laughs) Kim's just smiled and looked at me. That's all she's done and she's in the lead. She's learned if you keep your mouth shut, you end up winning the game is what's happening here. Uh Now, last week, Kim read a story that had a cryptozoological animal in it that I'd never heard of before called a bandagazoo. Do you remember? Yes. Yes. Now, I couldn't go on air without looking that up and finding out what that is. Because if anything comes along that's cryptozoological or paranormal, I want to look that up and find out what that is. So I remembered the word bandagazoo. I wrote it down on my notepad here with all your scores. And uh, I went and did some research. Now, what actually happened was I went into a search engine. Oh, no. Google, right? (laughs) And uh, as you know, when you type in certain words, if you spell them wrong, it makes a suggestion, doesn't it? And brings up what it thinks you're trying to say. So I typed in bandagazoo. And without me really looking at what was happening... Um, it thought I had typed in bondage zoo. So <laughs> there's things I've seen that I cannot now unsee. And uh, I don't advise anyone to type in the word bandagazoo because my search engine thought I was saying bondage zoo. And I now can't look a goat in the eye or go to Como Park petting zoo. My niece so, uh, went online to get her mother a new um, one of those bean neck things that you throw in the microwave. Oh, to warm the back of your neck up if right. you've got muscle because problems. Because her mother's was getting in really bad shape. Sure. So she looked at the thing and typed in on the search bar what the brand of it was, and she ended up typing in Bed Buddy. 
Oh. <laughs> it wasn't a teddy bear with its fur missing, was it, by any chance? <laughs> she so, was 12 uh, about at the time that she did that. Oh. What I will say, <laughs> oh. what I will say is that some of the animals on that site did have black rectangles over their faces to protect the innocent. So uh, don't advise. So, you I looked still don't into know. the site further than the first page. Well, it brings up images on the third hit, doesn't it? It gives you a, uh, gives you a page. <laughs> well, you don't have to explain yourself. I hear you stuttering. <laughs> yes, and my eyesight's slightly going. I've not had any sleep this week, I tell you. Right alongside Greg. It's very, yes. <laughs> well, he found the same websites as me, obviously. <laughs> but as I said, uh, I'm not going to the zoo again. I, I, I can't unsee those things. It's terrible. I hope they were consenting, is all I can say. At least they look female, some of them. Except the sheep. They said, nah. <laughs> you're minus four we start the first round on ghosts and hauntings of this week's news of the paranormal with heather on minus four i'm going to start this week i have a story here that says ghosts of the gray lady there's always a gray lady isn't there it's either a black lady or white lady or, or the, the combination of the two of course which is a gray lady ghost of the gray lady caught on camera by schoolgirls at hampton court palace in england A schoolgirl, it says, has captured what she believes to be a real ghost on camera. And the spectre was discovered at Hampton Court Palace that has been supposedly haunted for the last 200 years. Holly Hampshire, 12, snapped the infamous grey lady whilst taking a picture of her cousin Brooke McGee at the stately home. We haven't slept properly since, the girls said. Holly's mother, Angie, 48, said, I was speechless. There was no one else in the room and she was floating through the rope. The ropes were alarmed. According to the newspaper, a photography expert said they could not spot any signs the image had been tampered with. Now, this image and this story I've put on our website. If you go to uh, our Facebook site, if you go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee, you will find all of this week's stories there for your perusal. And one of those stories is, in fact, this photograph of the grey lady. It's bunk. Yes, I'm about to come on to that. What did you think? You've obviously seen it. I'm going to describe it for our listeners. If you haven't got access uh, to that story at the moment, there's a picture of the inside of a stately home. Hampton Court was, of course, the palace that all the kings and queens lived in before Buckingham Palace was built. So it was the home of Henry VIII, for example. So there is this mysterious grey lady, but you've got the back of a young girl walking through one of the rooms in the stately home and behind her, floating in the air, is uh, what looks like a Victorian woman wearing a dark black kind of crinoline dress with a bit of a... Um, a bustle as they say back in the day and she's got quite dark skeletal features but it's in profile you see the whole thing in profile so it's like funerary she's wearing what i'd describe as like funeral dress of the victorian period like you'd see queen victoria perhaps wearing after prince albert died of course so heather you've seen this what do you think you were you were it's bunk on the basis of well firstly when i look at the photograph um there's no transparency. It's there as plain as day when you look at it. It and is a then, solid person or a solid image, sure. And either it's an image that was superimposed on top of that image or it was something that was actually there because you can look at the highlights from the top of the head is actually the same color as the the light that's coming down from above. So the, the highlights are the same as if the thing was right there and the light coming in from the window you can see those highlights are a different color they are also it was somebody that was standing there or it was superimposed 
I got the impression when you go through some of these stately homes and some of these uh, museums and buildings, you often get mannequins. That's exactly what it with, looked like. With yeah. the dresses on at the time, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the lady of the house used to wear. It reminded me a bit like that, but um, it also reminded me not of a ghost. Um, people online that have actually seen this image that have gone to our Facebook site have actually commented and said it looked like a Dementor. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, it does. It, it does. does. So if anyone knows the difference between a ghost and a Dementor, I think, again, you'd have to watch some Harry Potter there, perhaps. But it had more of a look <laughs> of, uh, of Dementor. <laughs> yes, all of, our, all of our extensive paranormal research skills are based on the exploits of Harry Potter, of course. I have a future story with that. Thank You've you got you a very future much. story. Yes, you. We'll, we'll look forward to that. But also the ropes um, that were guiding people through the room also looked slightly disturbed in terms of it had been photoshopped or messed around with because around the image I thought there was areas that looked slightly distorted. So when you go online, you know, when you're looking for pictures of scantily dressed nubile women wearing bikinis, for example, you might have to see in the background that that some of the wall or some of the doors distorted slightly because people have made themselves look thinner than they actually are by using that kind of software and the background's distorted. So it had that kind of distortion to it in many respects. So lots of reasons there. In fact, I think I actually saw someone online take that very image and superimpose it onto other images, almost like it had been Photoshopped, just to show how easy that was to do. But one of the things we've discovered in our uh, studio over the last few months is the fact that anything that's audio as well can be messed around with so much with software, recording software, that anything I hear now or anything I see, unless I'm actually in the room and I trust the person or I see the raw kind of photograph. I mean, the thing about this picture is that somewhere there must be a, a USB kind of um, stick or a, a card. What do you call those little things you put in your camera? Um, SIM card. Yeah, SIM card. There must be a SIM card with that image on. I'd want to see that. I'd want to see that SIM card and I'd want to see that image actually on the camera because on my camera... You can actually see the photographs you've taken, can't you? It'd be much more impressive if you took a photograph on your phone or a photograph with another camera of the back of your camera with that image actually still on it. Does that make sense? Right. So whenever I've taken a picture of what I believe to be an apparition or a ghost, I've then taken a photograph of the back of the camera with the little screen showing that image in a way of actually taking it at the time and showing that it hasn't been messed around with or hasn't had anything done to it. And I know for a fact, Heather, that you keep all your EVPs on your digital voice recorders Mm -hmm. so people can hear them raw straight from the um, DVR. So you can show people that you've not messed around or edited those EVPs. So that would be my advice. But very interesting story. Got lots of people talking, lots of people doing experiments uh, this week online and showing how they can manipulate uh, visual materials so uh, i shall give myself points there i should i should give myself three points for being interesting and informative so kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings sleep paralysis can lead to ghost sightings the terrifying phenomenon may account for numerous sightings of ghosts monsters demons and more most people will have experienced sleep paralysis at least once at some point in their lives that disconcerting cessation sensation of waking up in bed yet being unable to move or call for help. Researchers believe that sleep paralysis occurs when a person wakes up during REM sleep, a state in which dreams are experienced but during which the muscles are paralyzed, most likely as an evolutionary mechanism to prevent us from physically acting out the movements in our dreams. That's very interesting because uh, when people um, I've gone to that claim to be psychics have told me 
that when you have that sudden jolt, when you're in a state of sleep or just about to fall asleep and you're kind of nodding off, some people, and we've all experienced this, get that jolt where we suddenly just wake up like we bolted. Do you see what I mean? So you're slowly nodding off. You see people on the train or the bus, don't you, kind of nodding off, falling asleep. In church. And they suddenly, that's it, if you go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Heather obviously hasn't experienced this one. (laughs) But they say evolutionary, um, they think, well, a psychic, some psychics have told me that that's your spirit or your soul jumping back into your body before you wake up. That's the jolt. But I've discussed this before, evolutionary... um, People like Darwin would have suggested that that's from when we were monkeys. And if we fall asleep in a tree, we fall out of the tree. We fall off the branch. So it's a mechanism to wake us up so we don't fall out of the tree. And I'm guessing this is a similar okay. similar scenario that you're discussing. Um, it says, while most of the time the paralysis will disappear within a minute or two of waking, for some the experience can continue for some time and bring with it a host of disturbing hallucinations. And I, I'm going to argue with a little bit of this. Um, it says some of the less common symptoms of sleep paralysis can include the feeling that someone is watching you or standing over your bed. The intruder, which may take the form of any horror your mind can conceive, can even climb on top of you, producing the feeling of being crushed. Uh, some psychologists argue that incidents of sleep paralysis therefore may account for stories of people waking up in the night to see apparitions, dark figures, etc. And the argument I'm going to make with that is why is everyone having the exact same? Oh, so you're you're suggesting that there's some sort of collective that everyone's experiencing the same things, right? Isn't so it, if it's based on your own imaginations and what your own mind can conceive, why is everybody conceiving the same things? I would think, and I don't claim to be a psychologist, that there's certain things in our culture that are common. If I said to people, "What does a UFO look like?" everyone would draw the famous flying saucer shape. If I said to people, "What does an alien look like?" Everyone would draw them perhaps with the classical big almond-shaped black eyes, the large head and so forth. Even though we, you know, it could be claimed that we haven't scientifically proven that they exist, everyone has the same experience culturally. So if you're dreaming that you're going to be visited by an alien, that is the alien that your mind conjures up because that's what you've been exposed to. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think if you're culturally exposed through television, the media, through films, there's going to be certain things that everyone has as a as a constant, as a convention that they can then draw upon in terms of their experiences. So I guess you could argue that point away by saying we all have an idea of what we think these things look like from the culture around us, popular culture, and then our mind draws upon that perhaps. But then it's interesting, where does that come from in the first place? Mm-hmm. Where does that original... And what about children that aren't exposed to that type of thing having the same... There is more questions than answers. I shall Ooh. give you three fabulous points, same on series uh, series two, episode three. You have three points. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Disneyland's Haunted Mansion may be haunted after all. Video shows ghost roaming park at night. Ooh. Are they paid? The ghosts? If you're dead and you're a ghost, you don't have to pay to go into anything, do you? You could date a ghost. You wouldn't have to pay for their meal. You wouldn't have to pay for the cinema. You could walk in on your own. No one else would see them. There you go. It'd be embarrassing if someone sat down next to you in the cinema, of course. <laughs> and it might, people might think it's odd that you've got your arm around nobody. That might be slightly strange. Disneyland surveillance footage has captured something more than the usual happy visitors frolicking through the park. As the footage suggests, a mysterious ghostly entity walks around the park at night, crossing grass, sidewalks, and passing unhindered through the closed gates. 
In one instance, the ghostly figure can even be seen walking across the park's lake's water. It's Did Jesus. You know Jesus has gone to Disneyland. Yes, yes, he has. The video was actually shot in 2009 and resurfaced this week. So this is this is this week's news, is it? <laughs> it's six years behind. Resurfaced this, this week. week. Okay. You're, you're, resurfaced, you're recycling your stories this week, yes? Don't make me come over there. In the video, a grim ghost can be seen moving a, at a steady pace a around. Grim, a grim ghost. Grim grinning ghost. A grim grinning ghost. Yeah. A happy ghost. Yes. He's at Disneyland. He's not paid to get in. <laughs> Moving at a steady pace around Disneyland's Haunted Mansion and Rivers of America areas of the park. The video shows a closed park at night, empty with no visitors, to hinder the ghost exploration of the happiest place on Earth. The natural first assessment would suggest the video contains image remnants or artifacts from the reused VHS surveillance tape, but some have pointed out that Disneyland no longer uses VHS-based security systems. Also, the ghostly apparition appears to follow park sidewalks and even breaks into a run at a precise moment it reaches the edge of the lake's water. So what's the, uh, what are you thinking that is then? Do you think that's... I actually have to admit I haven't seen it, but Kim did. Yeah, I saw it. Um, and when I was looking at the video and reading the article, people are suspecting it might be Walt Disney himself. Really? And it and it does walk across the water and the video if you go to watch it it's uh it's a four screen split like what Greg does when we right. go on our investigations you've got the four cameras going and it's all on um, one computer yep, screen on the same monitor yeah. and you can watch it go from one camera to the next on the monitor really? it's it's kind of a fun video to watch let's we'll have, have a look at that again these videos are for you to watch on our Facebook site more questions than answers with Adrian Dean you can have a look and tell us what you think. I thought Walt Disney was cryogenically frozen. I thought his head yes, was... Yes, his a... head was. So did this ghost have a head or was he looking for his head or did it... I didn't see his head. It'd be terrible, wouldn't it, if you were running around the park with no head? That would be terrible. You wouldn't know where to go, would you, or what ride to go on? It is true, though. If you're in spirit, you'd want to hang out in all those places, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be hanging out in the cemetery. You wouldn't be hanging out in the mortuary. You wouldn't be hanging out in the morgue or the undertakers. You'd be at Disneyland. You'd be at Hooters. You'd be at the Mall of America. You'd be watching baseball matches. You'd be in locker rooms. You wouldn't be messing around, would you, in a mortuary? You've thought about this too much. I've got a list. Don't you worry about that. I have a list. Can I have points now? How many would you like? (laughs) Three. Okay, you're on minus one. You were on minus four. (laughs) See how generous I am? I have one more story here in the round of ghosts and hauntings. We're going to have a look at zombies. The headline reads, Zombie apocalypse researchers use maths to calculate the safest place to hide from the undead. Now, seeing that zombies are actually mythical, surely the best place to hide from them would be in the world of reality. Just just saying. It seems very <laughs> odd. <laughs> Do excuse me. I'm due back on planet Earth at any minute. It's very odd. It goes on to say, we all know the zombie apocalypse is coming, thanks to informative films like Dawn of the Dead and World War Z. But when it does come shuffling along, where's the best place to hide? According to researchers at Cornell University, it's the northern Rocky Mountains, from Idaho, Montana and Wyoming in the US to British Columbia in Canada, which doesn't exactly bode well for people living in Britain. The team at Cornell arrived at their results by running a variety of simulations using statistical mechanics to explore how a real zombie apocalypse would spread. Now, I don't know if you've read the book. I had to read this book when I was a student at school. I read the book The Day of the Triffids by John Wyndham. 
No. So is anyone familiar with that story? No. 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 They've made several films of it, and there was a famous TV series back in the day. But ultimately what happens, and, and I won't go into all the details, but what happens is that people go blind because they look at sparkling lights in the sky. And everyone goes out to look at them like fireworks. And it's actually a weapon used for warfare that's gone off by mistake, like someone setting off a nuclear device by accident. But then what happens is that everyone goes blind because the lights burn their retinas. So it was a weapon to use in warfare that gets triggered. At the same time as that, there's a breeding program for plants that are poisonous and can move along and walk. So eventually what happens is the only people that are alive are the ones that can see because they were too drunk that night to go out and look or they had eye operations or were in hospital with bandages around their heads or whatever so there's a small population of people that aren't blind and what they decide to do is set up on the isle of Wight, which is a small island just off the south coast of britain because the plants that are poisonous and are eating everyone and killing everybody because they're blind and stumbling around um, can't swim and can't get on the island so as it's suggesting here the Rockies, surely the best place to be would be an island because zombies can't swim or operate boats. That they? was exactly what was going through my mind this whole time you were going blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking to myself I over got- and over, can <laughs> zombies swim? Can, so while I was going blah, 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 <laughs> your little walnuts processing can, can zombies so- swim? Yes, I've never exactly seen one right. in the swimming baths. Can you imagine you're doing a length in the swimming baths and an arm floats by? <laughs> be like soup wouldn't it in the end if you got a load of zombies in a swimming bath that would be like beef soup wouldn't it oh, you'd have to get disgusting. them out with a strainer or some sort of colander wouldn't you oh that's disgusting. what i'm suggesting anyway it goes on to say modeling zombies makes you through uh, modeling zombies by the way is excellent i want to see a series called modeling zombies where there's women walking up catwalks with you know fashionable clothes on with arms falling off it says modeling zombies takes you through a lot of the techniques used to model real diseases albeit in a fun context there's nothing funnier of course is there than diseases i mean i could sit here now and have a good laugh about berry berry and dengue fever what's berry berry it's a very contagious tropical disease no idea. See, when you had a medical at school, when you stick out your tongue and they measure you and, you know, you could run around the gym for 10 minutes, you could have beriberi and they wouldn't even notice. Did you have medicals like that at school? Is this just Britain? I've heard of beriberi, but I don't recall a medical exam for it. See? Well, they wouldn't do one, would they? At school, you're not expected to have tropical diseases, are you? I'm saying, did you have a medical at school where you're in your knickers and your bra or your vest and you have to run around the gym with a nurse looking at you? No. That was usually the gym teacher. That was just me, was it? Fair (laughs) enough. Okay. More things I have to worry about with my psychologist. But they've done, apparently, they've put all this into a computer and they've discovered, um, it says there that there's four states a person can be in. Human, infected, zombie or dead with approximately 300 million people. It says the results of the simulation showed cities would be overrun quickly, but sparsely populated mountain zones offer the best hideout so if we're looking to go somewhere for the zombie apocalypse we need to go to the rocky mountains apparently and not the isle of Wight, because apparently they can swim in riding boats if there is a zombie apocalypse and i've actually discussed this with the gores greg is a farmer he has a shed full of really dangerous farmyard equipment and uh, i'd be over here in a shot just saying <laughs> with with the use of all the equipment he's got could kill a lot of zombies is what i'm saying we could combine them you hear what i'm saying hold on while you were going blah, blah, blah again. I, I don't like this blah, blah, blah business. You're another, on minus one for a reason. I have another question. Can zombies freeze? Can you freeze a zombie? Yes. It's been like, what, 30 below, 50 below here? I don't Can know, they because freeze? they don't exist. 
It's mythical. It's made up. I have no idea. Can somebody answer this that really I'm cares? I'm guessing no. <laughs> Are they cold-blooded or warm-blooded? That's what I'm saying. Do they have fluid within them? They must, because when they shoot them, blood splatters everywhere. And technically, that could freeze, yeah? So what we need is a nice stiff spell or a cold spell. And then... <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> Where's Freud when you need him? I was going to say, and I have got a fabulous shade of red now. What you need is a nice cold spell and then you'd go stiff. But um, if anyone wants to help me with a nice stiff spell, I am available at weekends. So I shall give myself points. Somewhere in there, there was a story. And I suggest if there is a zombie apocalypse, either go to your farmer friends, go and swim to an island or you head to the Rocky Mountains would be my suggestion. We move on with Greg on minus two. I'm on five. Heather's on minus one and Kim is on three. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's hairy beasties and green men. Heather, you can kick us off in this round today. You're on the lowest scores here. What have you got for me in the round of UFOs? And you will get points if it is, in fact, a story based on UFOs and cryptozoology. Airman wins payout over Rendlesham UFO. There you go. You've got a point already. See? Just for being relevant. I'll disappoint you next week. An American airman has received compensation after suffering radiation poisoning during the encounter. It's one of Britain's best-known UFO cases and one that still remains unexplained more than 20 years later. It's our Roswell. That is our Roswell. Yes. It was a, uh, if people don't know, where have you been for the last 20 to 1980. 30 years? But it was uh, an American air base in the east of England and uh, a UFO supposedly landed in the forest. And there's some audio footage of the American airmen going out to investigate what was there on the uh, perimeter of their air base, of course, which is highly um, under security, of course, because of all the nuclear weapons and the aircraft they have Mm -hmm. there. And uh, if this is proven that he's had a payout for levels of radiation that were that high. That's what my story is about. Yes, I'm trying to get your points is what I'm doing. That would suggest it actually happened, wouldn't it? Because the American government has said it hasn't happened. Hold Do on. continue. I'm, I'm shooting my bolt too early. The incident occurred in December 1980 at Rendlesham Forest, England, where a strange object appeared over multiple nights and was witnessed by several members of the military, including Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, who famously recorded what was happening on an audio tape while he and his men were investigating the craft see you were right more points for me i'm on six there we go (laughs) one of the airmen who was there at the time however john burroughs was exposed to so much radiation that he later developed a heart problem and had to undergo surgery now after being denied compensation for years the u.s veterans association association has finally agreed to pay for his treatment a move that has been hailed as an admission that UFOs can cause harm. I was not looking for anyone to believe me, he said. All I have been concerned about was getting a cure for my illness. That was all that mattered. Burroughs and a colleague, Jim Penniston, had ventured much closer to the object than the other men in an effort to learn as much as possible about it. Penniston later described how it had been as silver in color and noted that it had also been covered in strange symbols similar to hieroglyphics. But yes, they are considering that as an admission because now they are paying for his medical. I wouldn't say, based on that, that UFOs are dangerous because anything that's in space has radiation attached to it. The uh, aircraft that go up, you know, the shuttle and some of the uh, space labs and things they've got, the international, you know, space stations and research things they've got up there, they have to be protection 
from radiation. Our atmosphere protects us from radiation. And of course, the sun is radioactive. It makes me laugh when you see these stickers saying, you know, nuclear free zone. And I'm thinking, well, there's no sun ever shines there then. But ultimately, anything that's in space has to be protected from radiation. So I'm guessing if it's a UFO that has obviously been in space and is making connections between universes and galaxies, it must have radiation on it. Right. So it's not necessarily that the UFOs are dangerous. It just has been in space. Does that make sense? Yes. And more points for me. I shall give you points (laughs) for being informative. You're now on a positive integer. You are now on one. I'll give you two points for that, which takes you from minus one. You got two points off my story. So I know it's fabulous, isn't it? Last week, what was it? Eight points? Oh, I got got a load of points last week. Yeah, I cracked a lot of jokes on your story and won the game (laughs) by some considerable, by the largest margin in the history of more questions than answers. And we've done 36, 37 episodes now, I might add. And I've got all this saved up. For a Christmas special, we're going to go through one and when. I just thought I'd share that with you. Whatever. (laughs) I'm going to read a story now that says, Watch moment, UFO the size of a football field flashed its lights in the night sky above a woman's home. This extraordinary footage appears to show the flashing lights of a UFO hovering in the night sky above a woman's home. The object was recorded by paranormal investigator Angela Ashton before appearing to shoot upwards and disappear. She shot the strange scene above the town of Lewisburg in Mississippi, the USA. Miss Ashton is convinced she saw the object and she said it was extraterrestrial. She said, I don't know what else it could be. Ashton saw the object just after midnight. Perhaps the UFO turned into a giant pumpkin at that point. She said it was at least the size of a football field. I was laying in my bed and I have a huge window that goes across the wall of my room and I saw a brilliant light. I mean, it was huge. Kim, have you ever woken up just after midnight and seen something huge in your bedroom? (laughs) No comment. (laughs) (laughs) You're spoiled. She told the TV station that the UFO was soundless as it hovered above the field before disappearing. Now, what kind of science or technology must be involved to keep a vehicle the size of a football field in the sky. I mean, it's quite remarkable. What, what kind of technologies must they be using for that to happen? It reminds me of one of my all-time favourite quotes from the fabulous book that is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. And my favourite line in that entire book is he says, the Vogon spaceships hovered in the sky in exactly the same way bricks don't. And I just thought that was fabulous makes me laugh he's a very talented <laughs> man i always had an affinity to hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy if anyone gets a chance to read it it's in a very simple kind of child language in many respects i think i read that book when i was 10 or 11 but it's so rich in terms of its imagination it's a very easy book to access and i recommend anyone to read that but he was drunk douglas adams lying in a field in innsbruck looking up at the sky and he had a europe guide you know the road guide to europe or the camping guide to europe uh, hitchhiker's guide if you like by his side and he thought it'd be a fabulous idea to write a story that if there was an, a book for the entire universe every planet every creature everything you'd come across and he did that in Innsbruck lying drunk in a field and according to my parents I was he conceived. must have been drunk a long time <laughs> why'd you say that well if he wrote a book I don't think he wrote the book he had the idea he had the idea. He didn't write the book. I know it's a very simply written book, but uh, I'd like to, in a drunken state, it's very difficult to write anything other than I love you and you're my best friend. But it's more involved than that. Uh, but ultimately, ultimately, I was conceived in a field in Innsbruck 
on a camping holiday. It was all the fresh air and hiking, apparently, according to my parents. So I have an affinity to that book. It may have been in the same spot. I could have been conceived in the same spot <laughs> that Douglas Adams came up with the idea. That he of, was drunk and puking. That's right. In the middle of Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> Thinking of those fabulous thoughts of that book was conceived. Go. His book was conceived in that field in Innsbruck, as well as me, apparently. So that would make oh, me part Austrian, special. I guess, in some countries. In some countries, you are your nationality is where you was conceived. How do you prove it? I don't know how you. I don't know. You show them the dress. I don't know. It's just <laughs> Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary. What you mean, Bill Clinton? That's the guy. It's easy to get the two muddled up. And yes. Monica Lewinsky. That's the girl. Close but no cigar, I guess. Now I got the wrong one. Did you know that the term or the phrase "close but no cigar" was actually used for the first time in The Wizard of Oz? You can no. look that up online. This points to be had for being interesting. That is true. Prove it was it. used. Which scene? Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to okay. go and look that up. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't you. know. The sex scene in the farm. I've no idea. <laughs> I don't believe you. Close but no cigar. If any of our listeners wish to tell me, they can write to me at mqta at rocketmail.com. And if nobody can find it, you start on minus points next week. Is that what you're saying? Perfect. I'm happy to do that. What do I get if it's right? Nothing. But if I'm wrong, I lose points. That's right. I see we're working in a democracy. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Second mystery bright spot sighted on Cirrus. NASA has revealed that another mysterious bright spot has been discovered on the dwarf planet's surface. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name of the planet correctly either, so anybody can correct me on that too. Uh, scientists were left scratching their heads last month when NASA's Dawn spacecraft, which is on its way to Cirrus and is due to arrive there within the next two weeks, returned pictures showing a peculiar bright spot located on its surface. Now the mystery has deepened even further thanks to a new set of images returned by the probe revealing a second bright spot on Cirrus situated only a short distance away from the first. The brightest spot continues to be too small to resolve with our camera, but despite its size, it is brighter than anything else on Cirrus. This is truly unexpected and still a mystery to us. I've seen that. There mm -hmm. is a thought that instead of a Martian leaving behind a can of Coke, for example, that it's actually gases that have ignited. So there's some sort of gases like methane, for example, that's ignited and caused that flare. But I have seen it's a very odd image that you'd have that kind of bright flare coming out of... And a, two side by side, I might add. Yes, on a dwarf planet, I believe that. Is it a moon? Dwarf planet. It was a dwarf yeah. planet, but I'm sitting here wondering, and of course I'm reaching out into science areas I don't know enough about, but uh, the speed of light and that some of the stars that we see and the light that we see from them, that star is already dead and, and it just hasn't finished traveling with the light. I'm wondering about the light on Cirrus and how far away this camera is taking the pictures and... It's supposed to get to Cirrus in two weeks? Yeah. I think it's a... Uh, I'd have to do some research, but I'm led to believe that that's, in fact, um, a moon, perhaps. Is that one of the moons of Jupiter or Saturn or something? Uh, I Maybe. believe of Jupiter. I'm not yeah, positive, I but think, I think Jupiter. So, obviously, that's, uh, we can see that with the naked eye. I think do we you, can see the moons of Jupiter with the naked eye if we do know where you, to look. Um, okay. Did you see the, the photos of it? I did, yes. And it describe it for, for people. It kind of looks like... Um, if I had to describe it, it looks like somebody shining a mirror from across a lake or something. That's right. It likes you're trapped on a mountain and there's a helicopter looking for you and you're trying to shine a mirror on it with the sun to get the reflection right. is what it looks like. But there shouldn't be anything on that dwarf planet, that moon, that's right. actually reflecting that. Right. So it would suggest that there's either something metallic down there or something reflective or something's ignited and caught fire. UFO but I guess crash. We will know. 
that's disappointing, isn't it? That, you know, it's okay to hit a tree, for example. If you're reversing and you hit a tree, the tree just walked out, you wasn't looking, you know, it's possible. How do you miss a, how can you not see a planet? Imagine the argument going on with the UFO that's just crashed. You know, I told you not to answer the phone. I was looking at the map. You hit, how can you hit a planet? I mean, you can hit a bollard. You could perhaps hit a, hit a deer or hit a tree. How does one hit a planet? It's a piece of headlight or I didn't something. See it. The, planet, the planet just came out from, I didn't see the planet. It was in the blind spot. I was fiddling with the stereo and never saw the dwarf planet. It'll be interesting to find out what it is. Well, we shall know in a couple of weeks' time, I suspect. I'm guessing someone's left their sunglasses behind. Or it's a Coke can. Those are big eyes. They are indeed. Well, you've seen the aliens (laughs) with the big eyes. All these things are working. Please don't go anywhere. We will be right back with the live paranormal news of the strange and the bizarre after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, crop circles, sunglasses, hitting planets and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings of a 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. And I will give them a shout, actually, on Facebook. They also have a site on Facebook. This is the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, La Pig. Help you remember that. They have all the UFO stories, everything that's happened this week. That planet story will be there, I'm sure. It's fabulous chocker full of information and the news of the week on ufos so i do advise you if you're interested i will point you in that direction the minnesota chapter of the mutual ufo network mufon meets the second saturday of every month at the new brighton community center new brighton minnesota meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m central and include investigation reports open mic book reviews videos and guest speakers Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone that has or has seen something huge in their bedroom just after midnight, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you or your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the beast that is more questions than answers, you are more than welcome to contact me. If it's paranormal and in the news, we are talking about it on more questions than answers. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air welcome back for the second part of tonight's show if you have just joined us then where have you been and what could have been more important if you've stayed with me then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50 percent of the show still left to go hurrah and a happy dance all the way around the studio remember you can contact the show at any time via our facebook site More questions than answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. 
And at my Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my my mother. Your mother. My mother has now stopped snoring from the room next door, which is going to upset my mother, of course, because she's trying to get to sleep as well. We now run into the round. That is strange and bizarre. Greg is on minus two. I'm on seven. Heather's on one. Kim is on three. This is the round of the stories of the week that are strange and bizarre and couldn't fit in any other category, but were too good not to read out live on air. And in theory, shouldn't be that rude. But over the last couple of episodes, rudeness has crept into this round. I don't know what you're talking about. So bearing that in mind, Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Head transplants. Head transplants. Yes. Like a scarecrow where you can just move heads around. Kind of. Okay. Head transplants are coming soon, at least if this doctor gets his way. Things don't go so great for Victor Frankenstein or his monster, but don't tell that to Sergio Canavero. The Italian doctor believes that it's now possible to slice the head off one person, stitch it on to the decapitated body of another, and then reanimate the two-human mashup. What about the shock of that? Surely some, if that was successful, just say. You'd want a woman's body, wouldn't the you? Si- well, I'd be touching myself. <laughs> I'd never get out of the house. I'd have, I'd have everything I wanted at my fingertips. I'd never leave the house. I'd t- you wouldn't see me for a year. Wouldn't there have to be some sort of psychological kind of medical care with this? Because the shock of that would be something else, wouldn't it? We just it? saw this on Gotham the other night. Yes, this is true. If anyone gets a chance to see the show Gotham, I'm not a big fan of uh, Batman, and uh, it's not kind of... How would you describe it? They're not mincing around in capes and costumes. It's kind no. of before that, if you like, when they're just kind of young. It's fabulous. I love it. It is, it is worth a look, I will say that. But yes, in the episode of Gotham that we recently saw, there was a scene where a man was stitched, or his head was stitched onto a woman's body. <laughs> as bizarre as that. I don't remember seeing that in any Batman comic, but as far as... Bizarre as that may seem, but... Um, What's more, he says that the first head transplant operation could actually come within two years. Uh, The goal of such an audacious operation would be to extend the lives of people whose bodies were too diseased or injured to keep the head alive. I did read that if you needed a head, um, they were available, because they're very rare, at $10,000 each to buy that head that you could have, apparently. But if you can't afford that... Um, you can get one from Wisconsin for a dollar fifty. Oh, where's the bell? <laughs> <sighs> On to eight. That's terrible. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, that's. It sounds simple enough, if perhaps a bit ghoulish, but not everyone is convinced that head transplantation is medically feasible or ethically sound. It's interesting that we discovered um, we were discussing. Walt Disney, weren't we? Not more than 10 minutes You bugger, you're blowing my story. Hang on, I've given myself another point. (laughs) As Canavero told the Huffington Post in an email, go to any neurology ward and ask to see someone with muscle-wasting disorders, and the answer as to why the surgery makes sense will be crystal clear. I've got muscle-wasting disorders in certain parts of my body. I just thought I'd add that. You told me to wait until the last story to bring that stuff up. (laughs) Okay, yep, you're absolutely right. You mean you've got stories about my parts in the last... Wow! (laughs) Yes, I do. Pay attention. Uh, Go, uh, let's see. And then there's the high cost of the head swapping surgery. Guess. The cost of head swapping surgery. That's right. $40,000. $30 million. 
okay, I was slightly out. Yeah, yeah. Take off points. What, for getting that wrong? That's right. Uh, Canavero of Turin Advanced Neuromodulation Group first proposed the idea for head transplantation in 2013. Now, in a new paper published February 3rd, 2015, in a journal of Surgical Neurological International, he outlines the surgical techniques. These range from cooling the head and donor body to prevent cell death to using a super sharp blade to cut the spinal cords very cleanly so that the nerve fibers are better able to fuse. Following the surgery, the patient will be kept in a coma for weeks in order to prevent movement that might interfere with the healing. That's terrible. I'd have nightmares about waking up and finding that they'd put an American head on me. I'd have to spend the rest of my life eating with a fork. You wouldn't know it because your head would be gone. <laughs> the interesting You're not thing thinking is, about this, are you? No, I'm not doing any thinking at all. <laughs> I was wondering, is there muscle memory? I mean, do you need... If, if your head was removed, for example, are your thoughts, are your kind of muscle memories, are your mannerisms triggered from the head down in certain places. Depends on whether you're a man or a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Points. I, there is a transplant for that as well, apparently. But you see what I'm saying? Because people have had heart transplants and some of the person's personality and some of the you're things You're going they back like, to like our very first episode. I know, this is a couple of years ago now, but those transplants of organs actually affected that person's personality. Yes, they did. And they started to love things they didn't previously love. And they had, uh, am I right in thinking they met up a heart transplant person yes. met the girlfriend of the person that had given them the heart and then fell in love with her as well. It's, there's a movie on that. Yeah. it's There's something like that. So yeah. there is, I mean, muscle memory is the best term I can put to that. Organ memory. Is there such a thing as organ memory? I Don't type that in, by the way, on a search engine. Can you date know. yourself then? I don't know. It'd be cheaper and there'd be less grief and <laughs> aggravation. And I know I'm not crazy, so that would make a change for me. Just don't get in an argument. There you go. You could be punching yourself in the head. I do know. <laughs> I know uh, Oliver Sacks, a very famous author and neurosurgeon, wrote a book, and I advise everyone to go and read this. It's only a short book, and I recommend it wholeheartedly. Go to Amazon. Go and read the work of Oliver Sacks. That's S-A-C-H-S. He wrote a book called The Man Who Thought His Wife Was a Hat. And it's about cases that he's done over the years in neuroscience and all the amazing things the human brain can do. And there was one example where one man was having fits and a fit starts in one part of your brain and spreads very quickly to every part of your brain and basically closes you down. So you have a seizure. So what they decided to experiment with was that your brain is in fact two brains. You have a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere and there's a cortex that links the two together. So what they decided to do, just as an experiment, to stop this guy from having seizures, because if they cut that cord, if you have a seizure and it starts in the left side of your brain, it it shouldn't then spread to the right because there's no connecting parts. Do you see what I mean? Right. So what they then discovered was that the left brain started working independently to the right. So the guy, his left brain would like his wife, but his right brain wouldn't. So he had his arm around his wife, but in his other hand he had a knife. He'd be buttoning up his shirt with one hand, and with the other hand, it'd be unbuttoning it at the same time. Things like that. So when Greg says you're having a fight with yourself, that's possible because a part of your brain could like you and another part of your brain could dislike you. Do you see where we are? Yes. Now, I'm going to bring us back a little bit to my story oh, about my very first story about Disneyland. Okay. And the fact that you brought up Walt Disney. Yes, his head was cryogenically frozen. So it can't be the ghost of Walt Disney then? Or would a ghost come back with a head on it? 
I don't know. This is why you get floating heads, isn't but it? But I'm Phantom just thinking it is now possible for him to other have than, his head put on a body. Other than the fact that his head's been frozen for 30 years, 40 years. I'm sure that must have done some damage. I have some stuff in the bottom of my freezer <laughs> that we've thought out recently. Yes, but I'm not going to sew it onto someone's body and hope it comes back to life. There'll be someone with the head of a trout walking around <laughs> or a duck or something. That would be outrageous. It'd be like the island of Dr. Maru. I'm going to give you two points. Which Is it Maru now- or Moreau? Maru, Maru, you say Maru, I say Maru, let's call the whole thing off. You're questioning my French. Well, yeah, I have to do give some me points. Research. What, for questioning my French? What would yes. you say? Maru. Maru. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. You are on three <laughs> resplendent points. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Strange and Bizarre? You're on three points currently with Heather. That's because I didn't get any points for my second story. I shall lift you up. <laughs> this is true. I talk a lot and I forget. So you need to remind me. I'll give you two for that. You're on five. Motorist arrested after cops find his marijuana stash inside sour cream container labeled not weed. <laughs> not gun. Not knife. Not cocaine. Not prostitute. A not 20 stolen. year old. Nebraska motorist was arrested Saturday night after a cop discovered his marijuana stash inside a plastic container labeled not weed. Jordan <laughs> Meyer was traveling with three passengers. Hang, of- hang on. Is it not weed something you get in your lawn and you have to cut like weed killer down? Isn't like not weed something you never get rid of? It like grows. Japanese not weed. I'm right, I tell you. There is a thing called not weed. Prove it. It's very yeah, deep. Why am I going to prove everything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of points. I had to prove my guy in the motel died yeah. from fart let, gas. Let me write this Dying down. from fart gas. <laughs> yes, but we established that that story was actually made up. <laughs> Urban legend, yes. Urban legend. Okay, so I'm going to come armed with proof of uh, Close But No Cigar was in The Wizard of Oz. And I have to now show you that knotweed, yes. Japanese knotweed, actually exists. <laughs> How could I even begin to make this up? Yes, I often sit at home thinking up imaginary weeds that grow in lawns from far off oriental countries. It's all I do. It occupies all my time. I rarely get any writing done. <laughs> Carry on, Kim. <laughs> Um, Jordan Meyer was traveling with three passengers around 9 p.m. when a Lancaster County Sheriff's Office deputy pulled over his 2002 Chevy Monte Carlo on a Lincoln Street for a traffic violation. Myers was subsequently placed into custody for a DUI. During a post-arrest inventory search of Myers' vehicle, cops located a 16-ounce plastic container, which used to be a Lando Lake sour cream, under the front passenger seat. But when deputies opened the container, they found more than 11 grams of marijuana inside. In an interview, Meyer told TSG that he was online at a drive-thru Saturday afternoon when he removed a Sharpie marker from his pocket and wrote on the plastic container. Asked why, he replied, I don't know, I thought I was being funny. Inside joke with myself, I suppose. He added, <laughs> never thinking it would be confiscated. <laughs> According to Meyer's Facebook page, he has attended the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and works at Jimmy John's Sandwich Shop. This is no. what happens if you go to the University of Nebraska. You can, no. you can get to the giddy heights of a Jimmy John's sandwich shop. What, what, where do you get to if you don't go to the University of Nebraska? McDonald's. McDonald's. So Jimmy, Jimmy John's. Oh, I, I didn't want a show to go by without saying it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we won't go through your prom story again. <laughs> Needless to say, she puts out for a Dairy Queen. Oh. 
I have a story here that says conservative politicians plan to consult astrology to save the National Health Service. A Tory MP, MP is Member of Parliament, by the way, a politician. A Tory MP has bizarrely claimed that astrology can solve the appalling NHS crisis rather than money staff management infrastructure of course they are the biggest employer in britain did you know that the national health service in britain is the biggest employer of anyone in the whole of britain over any major corporations quite remarkable david tredenick who is a capricorn is meant to be down to earth said consulting the stars would take huge pressure off doctors he also suggested people who dismiss astrology tend to be racially prejudice if you don't believe in astrology you are a racist apparently who knew these are the people that are representing us in in the houses of common i will uh, suggest a baffled political political opponent tickle a baffled popsicle opponent blasted the claims <laughs> as utterly ridiculous michael milani a lib dem who is standing against the tory at the election said we need an mp who will speak up on the importance of employment decent wages, pensions, improving the education system, transport issues and saving green spaces. What we don't need is an MP who is making our area a laughing stock with his utterly ridiculous obsession with astrology. Mr Tredenick, who is on the influential Commons Health Select Committee, made his remarks to the Astrological Journal. The MP for Bosworth, Leicestershire, said astrology is a useful diagnostic tool, enabling us to see strengths and weaknesses via the birth chart. I do foresee that one day astrology will have a role to play in healthcare. His support for homeopathy led to respected scientist Lord Winston saying in December, I think his views are lunatic. Which is ridiculous because the moon had nothing to do with it that week. He added, astrology offers self-understanding to people. (laughs) People who oppose what I say are usually bullies who have never studied astrology. So his stubborn goat Capricorn nature is coming out then. They never look at it. They're absolutely dismissive. Astrology may not be capable of passing double blind tests, but it is based on thousands of years of observation. Astrology was until modern times part of the tradition of medicine. I think it is a great pity that so many scientists today are dismissive of the right side brain energy, such as intuition. Not normally a good idea for your member of parliament and your political leaders to come out and say that they base a lot of their findings, a lot of their um, research, a lot of their you know ideas on astrology. Probably not the way to go. Am I right in thinking that Ronald Reagan had an astrologer? Or did I just make that up? Nancy. Nancy was the well, she was the one who pulled all the strings. Do you ever remember the footage where Ronald Reagan sat there, you know, dribbling, being asked questions, and Nancy's basically telling him all the answers? Which is what you want from the guy who's leading the biggest superpower in the world with his finger on the nuclear button. I wouldn't have trusted him with the remote control to the television. Never mind a button that's nuclear. You look like you're about to say something, Miss Morris. Well, I was just... When was astrology really big? You know, the, hey, baby, what's your sign? Back in the Oriental times, Confucius, a thousand years ago. Oriental times? I'm amazed. Um, Greg and Kim, a married couple here, sat at the table, are Librans. And Librans are very, very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Their sign suggests that they never make decisions. They're very, they weigh things they up. It's the scales. They can't make decisions. I'm amazed Greg and Kim managed to go out anywhere. I'm, I'm amazed they managed to get around the grocery store and buy things. It must take hours and hours and hours Does to make decisions. Does it take hours? <laughs> oh, Greg's made a decision and said yes. There we go. <laughs> He's on one point. Who knew such things? But it's true. I've found that people of some astrological signs do 
tend to carry those traits very heavily. The interesting thing is, we had this discussion almost previously, is that are you born and you look at your astrological sign and think, oh, that's me, and then you pretend or you you play out that part because you know that's what's expected of you, or are you just that person and it happens to fit with what's said about you? Do you see what I'm saying? Because I'm an Aries, and when I read what an Aries was, you know, they're meant to be confident, they're meant to be leaders, they're supposed to have careers in uh, broadcasting and so forth, I'm, and, and, and we're awesome, obviously. Um, you know, am I am I looking at that and thinking I'm going to design my life around what it says I should be, or am I that person anyway and it just happens to fit with what an Aries is? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because you're a Scorpio. You do things in the dark and in the shadows. You've got a memory like an elephant. You're basically asking the nature versus nurture. Absolutely. Kim should have points for bringing some intellectual cerebralism to the show. Am I right in thinking that some people believe in astrological signs so much that if they are having a baby, they will try to have a baby during that certain astrological sign? Yes, that's right. Yes, they'll they'll conceive or try and conceive in Innsbruck in a field, you know, so it comes out to be an error. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, you've got What's your, your sister? Female. No, what si- what, <laughs> what sign, sign is your She's sister? She's Scorpio. She's Scorpio? Yes, okay. I think my parents had a really good Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's where we are. My dad must have bought chocolates or or Flowers or something is where I'm going. I know exactly what my sister was. There was power cuts in 1972 in Britain because there were strikes. The winter of discontent, all this carry on. Um, she was a power cut. There was no TV to watch. There was no lights on. She was a power <laughs> she cut. Was, she was in... your parents were bored? Yes. Is that what but you're they saying? They had nothing else to do than to go to bed early and try and get warm is where we are. So, you know, you can laugh at me being born in a field in Innsbruck on a camping holiday. At least I wasn't a power cut. This is where we are. This is where we are. Well, that story was funny and informative. So I shall give you two points. You're now on a nice round and slightly squiggly five. And that was the last story in our round of the strange and the bizarre. Greg is on one. I am on eight. Heather's on five. And Kim is now on six. We move into the round that is called Not For Your Mother. This is the round where you take your mother out of the room. Any minors, any one of a delicate disposition needs to be removed, needs to be given a cup of tea and an egg sandwich, put in front of the television set and left to their own devices. This is the round where we read the stories of the week that are laden with innuendo. They're laden with smut and filth, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> that we couldn't read out at the beginning of the show. This is the round that's nearly had us off the air at least two times. Heather, I'm going to go to you first. You need the points. What have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Florida police arrest woman for a domestic nut-punching incident. It's always in Florida, isn't it? And it's, it's always nut-punching. Or Britain. Or France, to be fair. <laughs> so it's one... not always then, is it? No, it's just most <laughs> of the time. If we were doing a diagram, there'd be more dots in the circle that said yeah, Florida. It is Florida. Florida's pretty bad. Meet Danielle Pearman. The Floridian 29 was arrested early this morning for attacking her boyfriend and punching him in the nuts. That's dangerous. cops stated, huh? It's very dangerous. To what? To get punched in the nuts. How do you know? Because I have... Being kicked in the nuts playing soccer and had to but massage. But you haven't been punched. I, well, do, do you want to be punched in the nuts or kicked in the nuts? I mean, what's your choices? Do you want to test it? <laughs> no, I will. <laughs> Greg, stand up for a second. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Pearman was busted at 5 a.m. for the alleged nut punching, when which occurred Monday evening in Bradenton residence she shared with the victim. Do you want something to keep the swelling but take away the pain? 
He's just oh, moving out. Pearman pictured above. Oh, sorry, no picture. What is, of his nuts? There's a picture of his nuts you've missed out. Is that not on our website? Is locked up in. It the, looks like a giant plum. It's purple. This is where we are. Oh, uh, Pearman is locked up in the Manatee County Jail on a misdemeanor domestic battery charge. Her boyfriend, Devin Sweet, yeah, I know, crazy, right? The man whose nuts was punched told cops that he had been dating and living with Pearman for the last eight months. Who'd have thought there'd be crazy women living in this country? I never knew such things. I don't know. Sweet said, uh, who was 24, said that he and Pearman were in a verbal argument about their relationship. At 5 a.m.? Uh, yes, when she punched him in the eye. Sweet. Uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> They're calling it his eye now, but she missed and got his nuts. You're jumping ahead. Okay. First, she punched him in the eye. So, Sweet, the cops noted, then proceeded to bed. Must have been a bad punch. Where Pearman followed him. He went to bed? Yes. Okay. Once he was in the bed, Pearman pulled the covers off of him, tried to push him out of the bed, and then punched him in the nuts. Noted Deputy... Timothy Hall, whose report did not indicate if Sweet was injured in the reported nut-punching incident. <laughs> I'm guessing he couldn't take a statement at that point. <laughs> that very well could be. But how could he say whether he... Do you not get injured if you were punched in the nuts? It's fairly dangerous. I have been told that even if you get flicked in the nuts, it hurts. Yes, often just the smallest glance is enough, strangely <laughs> enough. If you get punched in the nuts, you're going to get neuralgia and toothache, I'm telling you. It goes up <laughs> through your body. Could <laughs> be sat there with a bag of frozen peas. I went horse riding in this country for the first time across the Midwest Plains for six hours. And uh, I used a bag of frozen peas in a way a bag of frozen peas. <laughs> Should never be used. I should, have, I should have saved myself six hours, just sandpaper my ass and punched myself in the nuts. Yeah. I wouldn't have got the experience of riding a horse, of course, but I'd have got the similar <laughs> results, is what I would suggest. You are now on a seven. I shall give you two for that. I have a story here that says cheating wife and lover having sex become stuck together after witch doctor's curse. Police had to break up a crowd gathered to see a cheating wife and her lover locked together during sex scores of people flocked after a rumor spread that her husband had asked a witch doctor to put a curse on her private parts and although experts say the embarrassing experience was more likely to be a common medical phenomenon that causes the vagina to contract too much there was no dissuading the mob did you know that a ferret has a penis in the shape of a hook did anyone know that no yeah there's been a no but i saw a weasel riding a woodpecker i'm sorry what websites have you been watching oh i saw that too see so you've seen a weasel riding a woodpecker but yes. you've never seen a ferret's penis right okay i'm glad we got that cleared up <laughs> what a boring long sunday afternoon that was this is how they hang from trees do you know that what woodpeckers no ferrets <laughs> i've never seen a woodpecker hang from a tree unless it's died yeah ferrets hang from trees by their penis like bats have you never seen that just you're making, in, just in Britain, you're making it up. Get away. Local <laughs> media claimed unfaithful Sachin Ngema, 34, had been what romping. What was that? Ngema, mm-hmm. 34, had been romping with her toy boy, Sol Koboza, 22, at a rented apartment in Johannesburg, South Africa, while her husband was away. But they apparently could not separate after their romp, with the tale going that suspicious hubby Neil, 42, had gone to a witch doctor who put a sex curse on his wife love potion number nine i believe the spell known as mutu is designed to make sure that anybody who is not with their husband who attempts to have sex with their woman will remain stuck 
until the husband returns to exact revenge. I wonder what would happen if they'd have decided to explore other areas, just other avenues. Do you see where I'm going with that? The shocked couple began calling for help, which soon turned into screams as they became more worried about their compromising situation. Neighbour Priscilla, 34, said, First, I thought it was just the screams of sexual pleasure, but it turned out to be screams for help. I knocked on the door to see if everything was okay, and when I went inside, I saw him lying on top of her, sobbing as he screamed to be freed. By the time police arrived, over 2,000 people had swarmed onto the streets outside the apartment. That's more than West Ham get on a Saturday. (laughs) Shouting, we want to see them, show us the cheaters, they said. 2,000 people, they can't have television. I would have charged admission. Take a peek as you walk by, dollar. The trouble is, once you get in, you can't get out again. Oh, a police spokesman said we had to use pepper spray to disperse the crowd. There was a riot. The couple were reportedly taken to a hospital where a black magic specialist said no one will be able to separate them until the woman's husband comes home. Apparently is on a month long business trip. Now, do they stay in an all male ward or do they stay in the female ward if they're stuck together? Here's the question. What position were they in? Were they stuck like dogs? Well, it said that he was on top of her when the neighbour Priscilla walked in. So I'm suggesting it's missionary at that point. It could be like dogs. What about other bodily functions if they're stuck for a month? (laughs) This is also true. Yeah, that's not good news, is it? Not for her. Not for her. (sighs) There are more questions than answers that's disturbing yes it is disturbing i'm gonna give kid minus one point she's back on five that's terrible how dare you bring the show into these areas that's disgusting kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother this lady chest butted fight over handicap spot at walmart sends 70 year old woman to the hospital there's a lot of people turning up in hospital this week isn't there with punctured nuts and stuck together and everything else uh, this is in Greenfield. A fight over a handicapped parking spot sent an elderly woman to the hospital. It happened at the Walmart store on West Layton Avenue in Greenfield. The suspect is accused of using her chest to knock a 71-year-old woman to the ground in a fight <laughs> over a handicapped parking spot. Wow. Did she take a run-up or did she swing around <laughs> like she's doing shot put or discus and then let it go? Or It's terrible, actually. The whole. Let me get into it. Um. It doesn't matter who is in the right and who is in the wrong. You should treat everybody as you want to be treated. That lesson is the first thing that was thought when I, when this man saw the fight during a recent trip to Walmart. I saw this other vehicle parked behind the SUV. According to a police report, 32-year-old Kezia Perkins was attempting to park in a handicapped spot at the Greenfield Walmart store. She couldn't make the turn, and that's when the 70-year-old woman pulled in. Ooh. They both had handicap tags. The older lady took the spot. This apparently angered Perkins. Surveillance photos show Perkins going up to the victim's car and yelling through the passenger side window. After waiting a moment, the 70-year-old woman exited her vehicle and Perkins approached her. This lady chest-butted, Rawlings said. A nearby officer was flagged down. Perkins allegedly told police, it's not my fault the elderly woman bounced off my big chest. Christ. (laughs) This must be on video surveillance cameras somewhere. It is. You You can watch it. I'm wondering if we'll get to see it with the People of Walmart video stuff. There we go. (laughs) When police ran her license, they found it is suspended. Get away. And Perkins' handicap placard isn't valid. No. That placard wasn't even registered in Perkins' name. Perhaps it was a booby trap. <laughs> <laughs> Rawlings says he tended to the victim who was lying on the snowy pavement. 
From what she told me when I was tending to her, she had just had hip surgery done. She couldn't move. It may have come undone. Ooh. According to police, the woman ended up going through five hours of surgery after she was attacked. But that's become... Thank you for raining on our stories and our <laughs> that's show. That's I said this is a horrible yeah, story. Horrible. Why didn't you make it even more depressing? What did she do? Hang herself in the end? She ended up... She had to have a second hip replacement. Oh. Well, thank you. And Miss, a... the Miss Perkins is still maintaining innocence. She's trying to keep a clean yeah. breast. She goes things. to court next week. Oh, so, that poor 70-year-old woman, wow. Yes, thank you, Kim. That's uh, joyous. <laughs> thank you for that. I'll just go and get a gun. Nut punches, severed heads. Ferrets hanging from trees. It's despicable. <laughs> I have one last story to try and bring the mood back, seeing Kim's just flushed it all down the toilet. Missing driver says he woke up in a field of donkeys. A driver who went missing after one car rollover in New Mexico says he later woke up in a field of donkeys. Most people just wake up with a hangover and one donkey. He wakes up in a whole field. New Mexico State Police said the driver called 911 seven hours after investigators failed to find any victims from the crash in Roswell late on Friday. (laughs) I know. He was just put down in a field of donkeys is what I'm thinking. The driver whose name has not been released told 911 dispatchers that he was lost and found himself surrounded by the animals and he's sticking to that story. Authorities say the man claims he and a passenger were drinking the night before. No. This is how it starts, isn't it? You have a drink the night before and you wake up in a field of donkeys. But didn't remember what happened next. Police say the driver suffered injuries to a shoulder in his hands and the passenger suffered back injuries. The driver was issued multiple citations, but the charges haven't been released. The donkeys have complained that it was only a few days ago that they were used on a zoo bondage website and they still have yet to be paid. (laughs) I love this show. I shall give myself one point. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's score. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Greg on one point. Kim is coming next on five. She was doing so well until she made everyone manically depressed in the last ten minutes. <laughs> Heather is second on seven. And I have romped over the line in a resplendent first place in a $33,000 IR camera as a present with nine points. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole bunch of new stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal. Strange, intriguing, bizarre, and just plain weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join me and follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember... Be interested and interesting. Good night.